0: Here we discuss introspection, being, development, and all the good stuff. Let us discuss the self-deception that's probable when dealing with God. For some, God is the universe or nature or the bigger picture, the bigger narrative, the higher arcing Role that someone else besides themselves is playing. Sometimes big media is referred to in a sentiment of God that somehow they're responsible for everything. Or government, as if government sits there and has all the information and cares deeply about what happens. In every isolated scenario. As if they can have those attributes of God. But either way. There is the assumption that. We need. Something beyond ourselves to. Relay the bigger story. Because just as we have a story. We are in control of certain things, right, we make a certain amount of money, we go to work, we do those things. So too, the things that we don't do, someone else must do. It's very hard to disengage from the idea that there's stuff that we could do that we clearly see that we can do, we could pick up an item, pick up a cup, we could open a door, so if a door opens without us opening that door then probably something influenced that door to open that is not us now it could be the wind that's an influence now who influenced the wind it could be the you know the it could be a ghost it could be anything that door has to be opened by something we will not accept and I don't think we could get to a place where we will accept the fact that doors open with no doer to make that door open because we know that we can open a door and if we can open a door and we can close the door we can keep the door closed then so too something else must influence it just as we do we're not going to disengage and say that we could do things and then they can happen on their own. It just doesn't match the logic that we live by, that we function by. It could be the big media that opens the door, you know. The government maybe is opening your door. But something beyond us is influencing circumstance that we are not influencing. Now we might be able to accept that we influence a certain level of circumstance, but the circumstance that we don't influence, we have to, we are required to attribute it to something or someone. We will not accept randomness. We will not accept it to be done by nobody. Just a freak act that has no first energy. So let's discuss the deception towards God. God is strangely brought up in chaos. Someone meets chaos, meets craziness, meets the impossibility of their own beings in that scenario, meaning that they, they are at their wits' ends in that scenario and usually god appears at that point even the non-believer right when you ask a non-believer why don't you believe in god they'd be like well at least the holocaust would be one thing to put up to god right so they're there's taking the most dramatic most chaotic thing possible and saying where's god in that so therefore god is in nothing what's strange about that is that that Specific scenario, for some reason, they assume to have an energy that brings that about, but that no other scenario has an energy to bring it about. Why Why pick the chaos versus the mundane daily life, opening of doors? So we speculate further, we discuss, we discuss with the non-believer further, and we elaborate. And we tell them such, okay, so why would you pick the chaos? So they'll answer, because that is the limits of the human being. That's where we saw ourselves unable to pass through, so you would expect God to be there. Now, why would you expect God to be in the most chaotic experiences of the human being? Why would you want to place God there? Why would you start with that? Why would that be your first proposition and not your last? Well, because you have something against God. Because of the painful, traumatic experience of, say, the Holocaust. You you carry that That anger before you brought your proposition to fruition. You didn't start with proposition and then brought this anger towards God. Well, he can't. He didn't do anything, so he must not exist. Rather, what first started was the traumatic event that you just couldn't handle. If it was the other way around, you would just say, well... The door opened, where's God? Or the, the door wasn't open, where's God? I pick up an item and I drop it, where's God? Right? You would you would go to that, and we'll discuss that proposition in a second. But to take the most dramatic, most suffering proposition means that you haven't accepted the suffering because it's uneasy to accept. And you you must attribute it to a godly figure because You can't figure out how human beings could culminate to this natural phenomenon of genocide, global genocide. But that's strange because that means that you were attached to God. You were angry at the God who did this. So you were attached to God. You don't get angry at a random bystander who does something that's irrelevant to you. Even the random bystander that does something relevant to you, it's a limit to your amount of anger, especially if they have no relation to you. For example, they just throw out a couple of curses your way. You don't know them. It bothers you very little and it should because You are not attaching to that person. So first we realize there's an attachment towards God that there's an anger towards. That there's anger manifesting from. So the real conversation with such a person is, well, why don't you work out why you've chosen to attach to God in the first place that brought about your anger in this chaotic situation? And that's a conversation about relationships. And that's a great conversation. Well, you know, someone taught me such and such. And, you know, I I kind of had this craving of reaching out to God or I prayed. They'll be hit by something, something small, something big, something in their life that brought them to attach towards God. For if not, there's no need for anger. Why would anger come about, especially in the most chaotic situation? It's like, why would you go to the least distant being from your soul at the most chaotic time. You would go to the most attached, the most deep relationships should only come about in the most chaotic situations. You know, if chaos happens, you don't think about your third cousin. You think about your immediate family, your children, your spouse. You think about those. There's chaotic trauma happening. Why are you going to God? Where's Why are you, why are you moving to that relationship? Why don't you start with your family and with with your enemy? So because maybe your enemy is the problem. Why are you going to God? If you can't understand the enemy, then with things that you can't understand, why are you going to God? Maybe just accept the fact that you can't understand things. Why do you need to reach out to God? There's something craving in your soul that's reaching out to God that you have to deal with. Now let's talk about the proposition of you know the the one who claims that where's God in the mundane in the daily life? Um, what what motivates such a claim? Right, where's God in the mundane life? Do they ever say to their friend, for example, um, "Why don't you fix my life, fix my relationship, fix my career, um, and fix fix all my problems"? Why don't you take care of even the mundane problems? Why don't you fix? Why don't you restructure my house the way I like it? You wouldn't go to a friend, even though they have the ability to. They could hire the builder. They could hire the counselor. They could They could enter your life and fix it for you if, you, if they truly want to. Now, why would you expect your friends to do something like that? Well, either... Really one of two reasons. One is that you have a deep relationship to them and you expect that to be reciprocated in this scenario or you're just demanding someone of something that they have no interest in doing. You are trying to extrapolate from emptiness. You're trying to suck out blood from something that doesn't want to give you that amount of blood or energy. Right, So, when you you propositionalize, where is God in my mundane life? Like, you never propositionalize that about another human being. Only a deep relationship you would even consider imposing such demands on. So, why would you expect God to do all these mundane things for you? Or even not mundane, to fix your relationships or whatever. Why would you expect God to do that if you're not even in a relationship with God? But the truth is that you do expect. Now, why do you? Because you assume that the relationship is deeper than it is. Well, why do you assume it's deeper than it is? Well, because God could do everything. That's the great argument. Well, can't your friend do everything in certain limits, right? Your friend could restructure your house, rebuild it from, redo your kitchen. They could do that, right? They're able to. So why would you expect God, just because God could do everything, why would he? Why do you expect him to do anything for you? Now, if you're seeking out a relationship, then the, the conversation is about how do I have a relationship with God to the point where he invests in my life to that level? But you can't propositionalize that, oh, where is God? It must not be that God is here because he's not investing in my life. That's like saying, my distant friend, where is He when he's not taking care of every little thing that I need? Well, you just don't have the relationship to, to have that prof- profundity of experience, of relationship, of reciprocation. So what leads what is, what appears to be a proposition. I'm propositionalizing is there God or is there not God is in truth this unhealthy dynamic of an assumed relationship with God. Now if there's zero relationship then there would be no need to propositionalize is there God or is there not God because you don't have a relationship with that. Why why would you talk about things that you wouldn't talk about the stranger on the street? Now even if the stranger on the street has a relationship with tons of people that you know well, that's, that's a little different because if you have a relationship with tons of people that have a relationship with this random stranger, then in a way it's a mutual friend which makes it a certain friend. So you have a relationship just by default that you have a relationship with other people. So you're in a relationship with God by the fact that you're in a relationship with a society that has many people who have a relationship with God. But let's say we separated that. Let's say you're not part of such a scenario. Then why would you be for or against God? It just wouldn't enter your mind. You're just not in a relationship with that thing. Now, if you would like the relationship, then you could enter such a a program. And in that program, you could discuss, well... I've given to God such and such why hasn't God given back to me and that's that's another conversation how much does God give to you and so on and so forth but to propositionalize is does God exist or does not God exist is not the right attitude in a relationship form now you I hear I hear an argument coming up in my mind that might be in your mind how do I know he exists to have a relationship with him? Well, why would you care? Do you do you think about some random, do you think about some invisible being that you might want to have a relationship with? And you're like, should I figure out if they're, they exist or not in order to have a relationship with them? That's a strange way of approaching life. There's so many people in reality that you could have a relationship with. Why would you pick that invisible being to have a relationship with? My argument is that why would you even care to talk about God or not God? Why would that even become uh, a proposition? Now, if you want to talk about God, if you if you care about this invisible being, for whatever strange reason you care about it, then you could first enter into relationship with that because you're starting to care. And then you could start discussing, well, how much of an effect he has on me or that I have on him. Now, you might be saying, well, it's invisible, so why would I enter such a confine? Well, then, don't. But the fact that you are you even have the notion of is there a God or is there not a God means that God does stir something in you, and you need to address that just like any relationship that stirs something in you, you need to address and discuss how much of a relationship do you want to have with that thing. So my argument is it's it's never happened that there was societies where propositionalized God and then all of a sudden decided to have a relationship with that proposition. Just like, you know, a romantic encounter You didn't know that spouse. You had no idea they existed, their name, their address, their blood type. You had no idea that anything existed of that form in the world that mattered to you. And then one second you met them and you engaged and that began a relationship, right? That moment where you actually met for the first time, you didn't need to propositionalize that they exist in form or you didn't, Feel the requirement to propositionalize that they exist. Well, first of all, because you assume what you see exists, but secondly, you just chose to engage. You didn't think about how this person is and what the attributes are, and if if they're real or if they're putting on a show. Right? You don't you don't see a person to be like. Well, maybe somebody hired them to be here to. To come to me, right? You don't have these propositions. What you first have is an engagement. And then as you engage further, maybe you could propositionalize a little bit. If you have such an inkling coming up in your heart. But the idea that there's a proposition that needs to happen before you engage with God. Is a strange way of approaching anything in life. Now, you might say, oh, well, God doesn't appear as a human being, doesn't appear in form. So we first need to propositionalize in order to connect to that form. Well, I don't think that's what anybody is seeking to do. Look at their arguments. Their argument is the Holocaust. That's a relationship, a deep one. Their argument is in the suffering and the chaos. That's a relationship, right? Why do you care why do you bring in the most infantile in your eyes the infantile object in the most chaotic scenarios that's strange who would do that who would care about their third cousin when chaos is coming and the one who the one who says you know whatever argument like the one who uh, propositionalizes that well god is not involved that god doesn't show his face in the mundane things Well, again, why are you expecting God to do those things? You're having a high expectation of this relationship that you are trying to have with God. Because if you're not trying to have any relationship with God, then why are you dealing with God at all? Why are you even discussing it? Now, chances are you're discussing it because it's a mutual friend of yours. Because you know many people who discuss it. And it sparks interest. Well, then you have to deal with that relationship. Now, why is it a mutual friend of mine? You start with the relationship and not with the proposition of, of how much that exists or doesn't exist. It's usually when, when somebody starts a conversation with a proposition about God, usually their heart, in all honesty, is not beginning with a proposition like anything in life in truth. Even the scientists, think about the scientist or the academic. Why'd you go into that field? Why'd you pick biology? Well, I, I loved human bodies. I loved chemical connections. I loved, I loved seeing such, such a world, right? Well, why did you? Well, you know, they, they could only go so far, but at some point they'll, they'll explain an experience that brought their mind to propositionalize for the rest of their life. But never can somebody attribute it, even the, the most, you know, rock hard person, someone that's just mine, will, will have to attribute it to some sort of dramatic encounter of a relationship that brought about the proposition. It could be one time when they were in fifth grade and then everything after that was propositions going forward. But what's fueling the proposition is that one experience, right, you can't propositionalize without a relationship to the thing that you are attempting to propositionalize about. So whenever you you want to get to the the most the, the most beginning, most elementary, the predecessor of all points that leads to the proposition, you're going to discuss a relationship, not an idea, not a thought, not a line of thinking, not a theory. What we find is that the discussion around God comes usually from some sort of pathological approach, either for or against. We find this, I would say, 95% of the time in my encounters. It's usually, well, yeah, you got to believe in God no matter what. And or, you know, it's just it's not an option. Which is strange because. We have this imbalance of half of society going one way and another half going the other way at least admit that they each side admit that there's prudence to the other side right the believer admit that there's skepticism and the non-believer admit that there's possibility there's potential the fact that there's no neutral stance in regards to God truly neutral many claim to be neutral but what really is transpiring is the opposite and I don't want to go all biblical but you got Pharaoh right let the Jews out let the Hebrews he's claiming that it's proposition God is proposition let's Let's learn about God. But as God manifests himself in deeper and deeper form in the more and more mundane aspects of life, he's still claiming his neutrality. It's as if God appeared in person and said, I'm God and look at my power. And still there was no. He's not here. He doesn't exist. And Farrell keeps claiming, I'm a neutral. I'm just keeping neutral. I'm just being balanced with this. It's like, you know, uh you have a pen pal, and then finally you get to see them, and you're like, No, you're not here. You don't know, it doesn't it doesn't make sense. It doesn't work with how I see the world. Well well, they're here, right? They're they're in form. Like, what more do you want? they showed up there's what what do you what can you get that will help you know more because it's just reality facing you i'm not saying that we can expect god to reveal himself like that but i am saying that that neutrality is essential and it's just so strange how i hear arguments that You can hear a riddled, you can hear it in their in their tone of voice are riddled with some sort of stigma that's bothering them that have nothing to do with the propositions or. If if dealt with, the truth is if dealt with and discussed at the core, these propositions will fall away. It's like you want to talk about it, talk about your problems, talk about your struggles talk about how you viewed god that hurt you and how god views you that you assume hurts you it's it's having those core conversations but no that's not a probability in our society and we rather just propositionalize and go in circles because even if i give you the best of arguments against your proposition all that would do is Sharpen your mind. It won't enter your heart because that's not what you're trying to do with the proposition. All you're trying to do with the proposition is display an unbiased, neutral opinion. In fact, all of science does this. They say, "Well, why do we have all these theories that don't rely on intuition and don't rely on anything but data and evidence?" Right? You hear this because they they want to be separate from the knowledge that they could claim that there's no bias and deception. Well, what a strange thing! Because that is that is the epitome of bias, the epitome of deception, because nothing garners, nothing energizes from proposition. It's always a, a sentiment. It's always the why are you choosing this over that? Why are you choosing this study over that? It's always where did that come from? What do you Why do you care about this? Why do you care about being a scientist? It's all those things. That's what energizes it. And if you change that energy the science will change with it and notice that the most contentious issues have the most battled science coming out for example uh diet right it's there's no there's no great avenue in in diet that we have because of that because there's just so much different energy being enter this entering the science that goes against each other whether it's for meat against meat uh, plant based you know there's just so many different energies of heart that are getting enmeshed in it that what happens is the final propositions are just a total mess it's like just get rid of it all it's just a waste because it's let's talk about the real real discussion it's what Like, let's talk about the connection we have to certain foods. Let's let's talk about the discussion that's beyond proposition. It's before proposition. So getting back to God, the work that would be necessary for someone who really wants to rid themselves of deception is to keep true neutrality. Meaning if there is a certain display that think that brings intuition that God is somehow revealing a sentiment towards you, you will be available to listen to it. Now maybe you'll say, Oh well, there's deception there because it's not perfectly informed. Well, you don't say that when somebody sends you a letter, like you didn't see them in person, so how do you know that maybe the mailman just decided to play a trick on you and well it's probable, right? We don't do that anywhere else in life. Like you don't you don't assume that, you know, it's a red light, but you know, there's times where, you know, the traffic light can be broken and maybe it's green. We don't we don't place doubt in everything. We allow assumptions to manifest. Not to manifest, but to to be accepted. So keeping that neutrality for the intuition of God. Now, you might claim that God doesn't come to you in full form, but the president doesn't either, and you accept that he exists. The monetary system you accept exists. There's thousands of beliefs that you have based on the fact that there's just enough that you've allowed yourself that evidence to convince you of a bigger form. So why is God not getting that? So keep that neutrality, and if intuition comes, say, oh, well, this is intuition of God. And you might argue, well, no, it's deception. Well, how do you know the president exists, right? You never met him. Like, It's also deception. But you have to ask yourself, where, where is it coming from? Well, am I seeking out to propositionalize God? And am I trying to stamp him because of something other than just neutrality? Maybe. But if it's not, if I'm just being neutral, I'm fine either way. Then you can allow God to reveal himself to you to a certain extent now you might say well i don't i don't want to start this process well we talk about it enough we have enough mutual friends that or friends that have God as a mutual friend that we care enough to allow some neutrality to to allow God to reveal himself to you now, I'm not saying to, to impose God because that would that would be wrong too. You want to be neutral at all times. Even as you see God in more form, you want to keep neutrality because you know, but don't impose that. Don't impose that on yourself because then there's deception there. So it's just always being neutral, being neutral, being neutral. It's Where is this coming from, right? But to just disregard it, it's intuition, disregard it. Well, you're gonna disregard intuition in other areas too? Why why does God get this special treatment? You have intuition that the dollar is worth something today? What why are you working for money? Maybe the dollar is not worth anything today. You have intuition about that. You have intuition that your you know your plans are gonna pan out. You have intuition about The fact that there's going to be no war tomorrow And therefore you could do this and this You have intuition about so many things Now you might say there's So much hard evidence About that Well there's things that You have intuition that you follow That are don't have high Don't have strong evidence You have intuition of Uh of of how people act towards you right you have an intuition that they're not as malicious as you could think or you have an intuition that they're you know they're they have another reason why they're doing what they're doing right you're you allow you allow for room of belief in a realm that there's so much doubt and i think that's what That's what the goal should be, lest we be like Pharaoh that claimed neutrality. But as God just revealed himself more and more, what became apparent is not that Pharaoh kept his neutrality well balanced, but that he was motivated by a hatred towards God. Notice that it's hatred. You can only have hatred towards somebody that you haven't a connection to. So as Pharaoh was claiming neutrality, he has this connection to this infinite God. And he has a hatred towards that. And he wants to not believe that. So it's not neutrality, but the most, the antithesis of neutrality. And God just revealed it because it's like, I'm here and you're still not believing. I'm here and you're still not, you're still showing your your content. Notice, anybody who has content towards God, it's not about proposition anymore. If you just hear the slightest content or even a joking tone, there's a sentiment there. Why, why do you care? Why are you angry at God? Why do you have any content? And if you do, it means you're connected to him. And now you have to discuss the relationship you have with God that you're not admitting to, not about the proposition that you're ready to do, to display to the world. You can't get away with having content with God and propositionalizing after because you've already admitted that he's here by having content. You don't have content with somebody that doesn't exist. So start with that and then you could get the proposition. It's not a bad thing, although it doesn't get to the core of the issue. Thanks for listening. And if you would like to see the video version of this, check out my channel on YouTube.